God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you, man, uh, beautiful day. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this world. Uh, you're still active. Uh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the God of Peter and Paul and David and all the saints. God, you, uh, you are the God of those people. You are still alive. You're still moving. And you're moving in the lives of those people in this room. And I pray that everyone's hearts would be open. God, again, I say this a lot, but it's true. I'm under no illusion that everyone in here knows you or even wants to be here. But for some reason, uh, here they are. And I know that you have a purpose in that. I pray that, God, you would soften hard hearts, that you would piece together broken hearts, you would open uh, blind eyes, open deaf ears, God, and that, uh, man, we could all come to understand who you are uh, a little more deeply wherever we're at on our journey. And God, I pray that you would help me to preach your word and to preach it well, and that I wouldn't get in the way, and I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. How are you guys doing today? That's good. Hey, if you're new here or it's been a while, um, we're in the middle of a series that's going to go on for a while, probably called Culture Wars. This is the thing you need to know. Um, Looking at you, Luke. All right. We need to know. You're at a world. You're you're in a world at war now. Listen, you have been brainwashed by TV and social media and all of these things. You've been brainwashed to believe that life is only what you see. That's the truth. Me too. It's easy to get sucked into that world. But the truth is, you know, Paul kind of describes it this way, and I'm paraphrasing. But this is all the shadow lands, man. This is the shadow of what's to come. And we, we're eternal beings, wherever you're at, meaning, right, this is not it. And <clears throat> that being said, we're in a world of war. Listen, I talked to this about this in the first uh, message in this series, and that is there is good and there is evil. Listen, there is good and there is evil that is not dependent on your opinions. It's not dependent on how you feel about it. It doesn't even really care about what you think. There is truth There is right and there is wrong, and it's not subjective. And on this earth, everyone's running around trying to define what's right and wrong. And in these two sides, good and evil, evil wants you to think that you're good enough to be your own God and decide what good and evil is. That's the great illusion and lie. And every single one of you in there, in here, including me, if we're not careful, easily fall victim to the idea that we're a better God than God. And so we kind of pick and choose. Most of the people in this room are probably in this, at least in this category. You're like, I'm a good person. I like good. I don't want to be on evil side. That's bad. But at the end of the day, your life choices show that you just pick and choose what you determine is right, wrong, good, and evil. So the whole idea of this series is we're going to have to look at blunt truth. Blunt truth. You know, I've got people in here who's like, Todd, I need you to get to the, you're excited for me. Like, there are people in here that are sort of gluttons for punishment, man. You, they want me to come in here just swinging, you know, swinging with truth. They want me to offend you terribly so that all the people offend. I don't know why. You know, I want to love you. I'm just kidding. Um, I do love you by telling you the truth. But I'm trying to be obedient because there's a lot of, of relevant cultural topics that we're going to talk about. A couple weeks ago, and I'm just going to say it, we talked about this whole idea of gender. <gasps> And how someone feels, right, though they may feel that way. See, you get confused sometimes. You think that 
because there's truth that we're saying someone can't feel a certain way, you feel a certain way, and we can even feel empathy for that, but it doesn't change the truth. And we're going to talk about a lot of other things that are topical and relevant to our culture that are crazy. And they're crazy because things, what was once right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right, and it's just a very confusing time. But, and so they're ready for me to come swing with all that stuff. What do you mean, Todd? Well, you know, killing babies, right? Already offended some people. Divorce, um, right? Marriage, the idea and concept of it. Sex, relationships. I made a lot of people nervous in here because anytime I talk about that, all the folks living together think I'm looking just at them. The ones are not married. I ain't judging you. I'm just telling you the reality. We have to accept it. Okay, and God's grace and mercy is if we will align ourselves with good, with the king, he can make us good and save us in the meantime. You get what I'm saying? Until that moment we're fully good, he can hold on to us, but you got to be realistic about who you are and whose you are. So I want to dive right in today. That's, that's the series. <clears throat> so if you're offended, you know, someone today, Zach, he's the guy awesome guy running the slides today. He's like, man, there's a bunch of scripture today. And I was like, that's great. You don't have to listen to me as much, right? <laughs> Wrong. You know I'll find a way to talk. But I need to give a good picture here. So I'm gonna, I want you to hear this. Probably, and it's been mentioned here before, and if you go here, I say it all the time because this is just Todd, not, not pastor. This terrifies me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. This is Jesus himself. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. <laughs> On that day, many will say to me, listen to this. I'm talking to the ones who say they're Christians in the room first. The rest of you all will talk. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now, most of you are going to go, oh, this is the people that think they're, they're being good, and God is showing them that it's not good enough. I, I need to focus you on something here, all right? Verse 22, again here, right? Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons, cast out demons, exorcist, right? Do many miracles in your name. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, you're lying. You didn't do any miracles. You didn't throw out any demons. You didn't prophesy. He, he doesn't say that. He says, I never knew you. Sometimes we base which side we're on by what we think we're accomplishing for good. The reason I bring this verse up, and there's a ton of them, and I was going to do the one in Revelation, which I can describe to you, right, where it says the king will come back, and he is wearing, this is a fact, and he's wearing many crowns, and his robe is dipped in blood, and he has a sword, and he has come to pour out the fury of God on mankind. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, I don't care, remember this. Remember I told you this someday, regardless of where you're at. Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, he's not the lamb. He's not the sacrificial lamb. He's not a broken body on a cross. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the judge. And in that moment, your anger, your brokenness, your sadness, your irritation, your religion, all of those things, your miracles will not matter. It will only matter one simple thing. Not even if you knew who he was. Does he know you? 
I get this all the time. If you're new, you'll, you'll probably already thinking it. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Why is he always so angry? One, it's not anger, it's passion. Right? As long as I call it that, everyone's completely, I'm, just, I'm a passionate person. Right? I am. And I get passionate because I want to tell you what, our Lionheart men's group is a very intense thing. And I only say it because they hear me say this all the time. I, I am like <laughs> Christians. I didn't grow up in the church, so I still have a hard time thinking that I'm a part of how your guys' awesome house. Like you're saints and I am this, and I can't genuinely. Like everyone thinks I'm like, think I'm better than you because I call you out. No, I'm like, you realize you're saints, and I'm like this like troll that you've like snuck in the house. Okay? So I don't know why I went on a tangent with that, except uh, lost myself here. Why I'm passionate is because it's crazy to me to half live this. If I were a person that didn't really believe, but I like the idea of good, I'd go out and pick like Scientology. Or I'd go out and pick like, I don't know, man, Norse paganism, because there's people think that's cool, right? You know what that is? That's Thor. People do that, right? Apparently there's a lot of people around here to do that. <clears throat> Like, you go pick one that's pretty much like do whatever you want that like naturally you are. God made me to be this. Right? (laughs) Growl. Anyway, that's what I'd pick. If you're going to do this, see, that's the thing about Jesus. See, all those other religions, Scientology, all that stuff, they don't tell you. They might tell you you need to do this. You need to do that to kind of be healthy. But they don't, you can still kind of, you can go to church. You want to go to a Christian church? They don't care. You want to do this? You want to do that? They don't care. What? Jesus is the, most, is the only honest person because he says, oh, this isn't all fun. To follow me will have a cost. You have to die to live. And everybody in the room, those of you without the Holy Spirit particularly, I'm just being honest, you're going, that's retarded. What does that mean? Oops, I just got canceled. That is silly. Edit that. <clears throat> right? What does that mean? Well, the, the reality is, is that we, to follow God, has a cost. And the great lie, hmm, I can't say that because I've got this at the end of this portion. One of the great lies in Christianity today that has been brought to us by the culture that we've allowed to infect the church is that you can follow Jesus and have no cost. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to get everyone in this room. See, some of you go, not me, because I know there's a cost. That's the crazy thing about Jesus. The thing that you easily give up, so for some of you, I don't struggle with pornography, I'm faithful, I don't struggle with being greedy, you know, all of the things that you naturally give up, that's, you know, so funny, he thinks that's great, but he wants the part that you don't want to give up. He wants the cost that you don't want to pay. Why? Because that shows who's really Lord. You get what I'm saying? I lost you already. All right, stay with me. It's an absolutely terrifying verse because the truth is he will come back. He's not the lamb. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And here's the biggest thing I can tell you, everyone in the room. Some of you all think you were raised in a church, right? Some of you all, um, let me pause. If you're basing your faith on me and whether I'm a good person, you're missing it too. Because some of y'all do that. Well, Todd's a terrible guy. Well, I ain't going to listen to him. Cool. Listen, I could be a terrible guy and tell you that the house is on fire and the only way out's that door. And you can sit there and go, I'm not going to believe him because he's bad. Someone can know the truth, right, and, and, <laughs> and be a fool. I'm fully aware of that. But I, I need you to hear this. The Lord of Lords is going to come back with a sword, and he's going to judge the wicked of the earth, and he defines the wicked, not you and me. 
And here is the truth. You are either with him or not. And here's the crazy, crazy, crazy part. The person who determines whether or not you're with him or not is not you or me. Now, some of you are going, Todd, what are you saying? It's my faith that I put in him, right, that he will save me, that he is the Savior, but it's him that holds on to me. He is the one who determines who's wicked and who's not, who, who is mine and who isn't. <clears throat> How do I know it? Listen to this. I got another verse here. I'll put this together for you maybe. We'll see. Romans chapter 6, 16 through 19. Listen to this. Don't you know? Because see, already everyone in the room is like, well, I'm good and I'm with him. I'm with him. If I came out and put a lie detector on you, some of you may struggle with shame like me, but the vast majority, if I say, are you a good person, you're going to say yes, right? Or if you say no, it's going to say liar because you think you are. Me too. I get it. Listen to this, though. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching that you were transformed to. <laughs> I just want to stop. I can, see, Emma, you ain't into it. I'm, this is so good, Emma. You're smart. You should love what I'm about to tell you right now. Listen to this. There's a teaching, right? It doesn't say you were transformed that the pattern of teaching you were transformed to, that you're going to be taught the teaching, but you have to be transformed to follow it. And having been liberated from sin, that means freed, you became enslaved to righteousness. I mean, you mean I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. Remember that word. For just as you offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to moral impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, you can sub evil, evil for that. So now offer them as slaves of righteousness, which results in sanctification. Listen, I may not get to talk to you a lot. We've got a lot of visitors today. Sanctification means becoming more holy, becoming more like God. So the result of being a slave to righteousness, to good, to God, is becoming more holy. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from allegiance to righteousness. When you were a slave to sin, when you follow that, you're not righteous. So, that, so what fruit was produced from the things you're now ashamed of? Let me ask you this. For those of you that don't follow God, you're doing your own way, you think you're God, the question he's asking here is, how's that working out for you? How's the fruit of your life? How is it? Are you content? Are you happy? How's the relationships in your life? I already know. They're broken. From the end of these, listen to this, for the end of these things, what are these things? The fruit of evil, the fruit of following something other than God is death. But now since you've been liberated, freed from sin, and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit which results in sanctification, and the end is eternal life. What an encouragement for some of you in the room that are saying, man, all I ever have to deal with is the cost. He's telling you here, listen, you've got the greatest treasure of all. You're an eternal being, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A lot of words here. Let me tell you what this is teaching us. There's only two ways. In this life, there are really, truly, as complicated as it seems with social media and Oprah, I always think of her because she just tells you what the truth is, and all these fancy, smiling, rich preachers, right? All of these people, all the different ways, there's only really two. See, Christianity seems complicated. It's not. It's very simple. It's complicated to follow, but it's a very simple message. There's two ways, and what Paul's telling us here is, it doesn't matter what you think. You are a slave to something. 
Right? Whatever we obey at the end of the day, and we don't have that terminology here, like slavery, like, oh, slavery is bad. Exactly. Whatever, you're a, whatever you follow, whatever you live to, you are a slave to that. So you are one of two things. You are a slave to evil, or you are a slave to good. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's like, well, great, Todd. I know what's good, but that's the problem. Only person who knows what's good is God. So when you are doing what you want to do some of the time and what God wants some of the time, you're not, you can't be half a slave, can you? You get what I'm saying? I'm a slave here, right? right? You, have, you have to be sold. You have to be bought. Whatever we follow, we're offering ourselves as slaves to. And Paul's talking to, to, to Christians, and I think it's very powerful. It means you've been bought, right? We'll talk about that. Jesus Christ ransomed you and bought you from the enemy who owned you, who you gave yourself to. And some of you walk out of the house and go right back to that slave master. I need, I need you to stick with me, and I'm going to try to go fast-ish. By the way, that worship team, she, she preaches three sermons in between songs. You're all good with that because they got music. I think if I have a band here, it'd be fine. It's good stuff. <clears throat> Listen, though. I need to tell you, that's my fan. It's dying. There we go. <clears throat> we're in a world at war, and I want to give you an analogy to, to help you understand where I'm at, what we're going to talk about today. It'll all come together, probably. We're in a world at war, and I'm going to paint a fairy tale for you, except it's true. And in this fairy tale, <clears throat> the king, the just king, God, made this, this beautiful land, made everything. And what he did in it is he, he made other beings, angels, this, they're real. And he made these creatures uh, for various purposes, but some of the angels, right, one in particular began to, to give in to pride and began to think he knew better than God and he rebelled. And this rebel was easily overthrown by the king, right, and thrown to this earth, this land and creation. And in this creation, this enemy, this traitor, right, this, this, this enemy, the devil, Satan, <clears throat> he began to use his power. He's very powerful. In pure power, right, second to God, right, at highest of the angels is what it told us. <clears throat> and he began to rule this, this land. And what he, how he did that was he got God's children, whom he created, you and me, to betray him, to forget that the king, right, because the king wasn't there every single day. The king made us for freedom, to live how we want. And the tyrant said, instead of using that freedom to live like Jesus, why don't you just listen to you? Now, remember all of that. So now we're in a world at war. And it's dark, and everybody thinks they're in light because they've been in dark so long, right? If I put you in a cave and never show you light, you're not going to know there's something better. You're going to think that the best there is is that dark. And then the dark, shameful things happen. <clears throat> and here's the beautiful thing. Jesus Christ, the king came back, and he saved us, right? And now we're in a castle. You have a castle. And in this castle, 
outside. This castle is land that's been purchased by the king and set you there. And he said, you have a job. You are going to be holy, set apart. You're going to be light. You're going to shine. You are a beacon of hope in this land, an ambassador of me. I want you to tell my people that I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to fix the brokenness, drive out the tyrant, save you. (coughs) He's giving you that job. And then he He's given you the law that he wants you to live by. And then, remember what I just said, he transforms you into a new creation. He takes you, this thing living in darkness, pulls you into the light, and transforms you into a beautiful, holy, perfect, right? Being. However, and he says, don't let anything in that world in. I'm everything you need. Now, there's a lot of cool things out in the world. And we're supposed to look out there and maybe walk out there. We go to the world, but we don't let the world in us. Okay, so we walk out of this castle because we got to tell people about the king. <clears throat> However, here's the thing. There's a traitor in the castle. And this traitor, eventually the king will remove the traitor in your castle completely. But in the meantime, this traitor who looks just like you is against the king, looks just like you. And sometimes you even get confused as to which one is you and which one is the traitor. And so the traitor comes in and the traitor wants to sit on your throne. See, you're kings and queens that serve the high king, right? And you're meant to rule your castle. And what happens is the traitor will sit on it sometimes. And the traitor wants you to do things and says, hey, just let those people in. And the traitor wants you to open the gate to your castle. Because sometimes you can like people, but he wants you to do something even different. He wants you to tear the walls down. Why? Because he knows the tyrant can't get to you. Unless you let the tyrant in. So this traitor wants you to live the way you used to be. Wants you to live like the world. He wants you to open the doors for his master. Now the outside world is filled with people who serve the great tyrant. And that great tyrant is someone who wants to destroy everything in this land and everyone in it. And he's got many followers outside the castle. And listen, some of those followers are your friends and family, your wives and your husbands even. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers. You understand why Jesus said that, right? That that my truth is going to separate people. Some of the people that are following outside the castle are willing and some are tricked and blinded. And guess what? There's people who by rights have castles who have just forgotten where they're from and live out there with all the all the people that serve the tyrant. It's a very sad story. Now listen to me. The traitor wants you to open the door to the castle. That's kind of a pretty story. The gist of it is, it helps me to think that way. My, who I am is a castle, right? a temple. And God has transformed me. And the real me wants to follow him and wants the king to be on the throne in the, in the castle of my life, in the temple of my life. But there's a part of me The old me, the part of me that was changed is still there. That traitor likes to work with the tyrant. And he'll come up with all kinds of excuses. And because he looks like me and he sounds like me, right, it's so hard for me to know which one's the real me. Now listen, the traitor in this instance is not some sort of evil spirit. I don't want you walking out here with bad teaching. I'm saying that's the part of you, Christian, that struggles to live like Jesus, the part of you that continues to fall back into old patterns. It's not who you are. That's why I I call it the traitor, but it's trying to sabotage your life. 
And it's so deceitful to see, because sometimes you've, you've got your walls up and you're like, listen, no pornography, no adultery, no drunkenness, no you know, uh, divorce. And so you think you're good, and over here there's a little hole in the wall that says what? Pride. Arrogance. I can bend it a little bit, there's one brick out of your wall. I know we're saved. We're going to get married, so it's okay to live together because, I mean, we're just trying to make it through, right? I'm talking to Christians right now. Another brick. There are three types, I'm sorry, four types of people in this world. I did that. Stay with me. There are four types of people in this world. There are believers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And I put both because there are people who believe and are living their lives like that to the best of their ability. Do they fail? Yes. <laughs> Thank God for grace, right? But they are following. And when they find out times that the traitor's tricking them, they realign themselves and say, no, I'm, I'm going to reject that. I'm going to come back. I'm going to get back on the path. They don't allow, they don't say, okay, well, what I feel is the truth. They always align their life. They're constantly recalibrating their life to God's truth, not their own. That doesn't mean they're not deceived. It doesn't mean they get pulled away a little or make mistakes. But always the end result is they recalibrate their life. When faced with their sin, they change. That's one. Two are the lost. I'm going to give you another name. I put lost because they are, and, and we should feel them, but they're also the wicked because it says that, the slaves to the enemy. And here's where things get tricky, these next two categories. Those are the people that need to know the truth and or haven't, have heard it and haven't accepted it, the lost, okay? Number three are those who believe they are saved. There's people who believe they are saved, either by a false king or savior, Buddhists, Hindus, Scientologists, they think they have a They think they're saved, right? From what? We all know there's a problem. That's why religions exist. They've found a cure to their problem, they think. Right? <clears throat> or <clears throat> Christians who believe they're saved by their good works. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Or they believe they're saved. <whistles> oh boy, this is some of you, especially you young people, right? Because you're getting older now, so it's time I start talking to you like adults. You think you're saved by your proximity to the light. You think you're saved because mommy makes you go to church. You think you're saved because daddy makes you go to church. You think you're saved because your parents are Christians. You think you're saved because you think you're a good person and you've always raised in church. But that's not what defines a believer. It doesn't matter how close I am to the light. That's not what saves me. I have to be transformed right into light. Are you with me? Is this too, is this too out there? Okay. <clears throat> Number four, and this is conviction. There are those who are truly saved, meaning, right, there's only one thing that saves you. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who are saved but live like the lost, and that's the vast majority of Christians in America. No, 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 I shouldn't say that because I think a lot of them are. I'm saying the vast majority of truly saved believers, they live like the lost. And let me tell you what's so terrifying if that's you. Listen to me, friends. It's impossible for us to know the difference between the last two. It's impossible from the outside to tell the difference between those who believe they're saved and aren't and those who are saved but live like the lost. 
live like the wicked. That's what's terrifying. And that's the problem, right? The problem is, is that we think that we can live like the world and still get in. You can have your cake and eat it too. Oh, I can go and love, I love that. Warm body's fun. And maybe it is, maybe, right? And this is where it's going to complicate talking to you. Maybe you're the person that slides over there for a minute and do you recalibrate? See, because that's what the world wants to do too. There's so much confusion here, guys. We're going to talk about that later. There's so many areas. It's like I want to cover every base because I don't want some people to feel hopeless because believers, true believers can sin and fall short at times, right? And I've said this a million times, and some of you religious folk need to hear it for the 58th time, and you're not going to hear it today because it's going to take a movement of God in your life. It's not the nature of someone's sin that displays whether or not they are Jesus Christ. It is their response to their sin that shows whether or not they belong to Jesus Christ. And that's a huge problem, too. Now, here's the lie the world wants you to believe. Remember, I told the great lie that you can live in both worlds, that you can look like, live like the world, and still be with the king. That you can lie, steal, cheat, covet, commit adultery, and just say, I'm getting better. Whenever you try, that's another response I always see among believers, and sometimes I struggle, right? Repentance. Repentance isn't focused on, hey, look how much better I am than I was. That's not repentance. If, you have, if you're making that argument to someone, you're not repentant. You're saying, you're not allowed to be upset because I'm better than I was. Repentant people aren't worried about that. They're worried about God and the hurt they've caused others. You with me? Throw a podium? Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, what is he talking about? That's the thing. You believe, the great lie the culture wants you to believe is that the followers of Jesus Christ don't really have to look different. They just have to want to be different. Well, I want to be better. No, you have to look different. You know, there's a verse I don't have today where it's, it seems so silly. And a lot, it doesn't apply to a lot of us sometimes, it seems like, right? <clears throat> but it says, the thief must no longer steal. That's such a simple thing, right? The person who hates must no longer hate. The person who steals must stop stealing and get an honest job. The reason he's saying that is like, it's not about that saving you. There has to be a change. The sleeping person in church has to be awake. Right? <laughs> There's some truth to that though, right? I mean... I hear this all the time, man. I can't believe I'm saying this. Andy's the only one that understands that I've really been changing this. They think I'm a normal pastor who's always believed what I'm about to say. I get the whole, like, I don't have to come to church thing. I, dude, I'm telling you, this guy, we argued about this, didn't we? I was saved then, right? I knew Jesus, but I argued with this guy. I was like, dude, don't tell me I got to go to church to be saved. I don't, have to be, I, can, I don't have to do that, which is true. But I was wrong, right? Christians right, aren't saved by church, but Christians go to church. right? So, you know... You can tell the seriousness of someone's walk by how committed they are to being with God's people. You know, Scripture actually tells us, why would you, I'm paraphrasing, I believe it's in Colossians, but it says, why would you want to spend all your time with people of the world and the wicked? Why would you want that? You have nothing in common. It says that. 
And yet, all of us, I can't tell you how many I've talked to you, your friends are people in the world, and your church people are, like, I, I hate when people do this. Where are you going today? i got to go hang out with my church friends. Why aren't we just friends? Why we got to have a category called church friends? And some of you all make, I can't, some of you all that come from unsaved families, the reason your families think this is a cult is because when you say you're going to something, you go, I have to go spend time with my church friends. So many things creepy about that statement. Who's making you? What's a church friend, right? Like all of these things, at what level do I become a church friend? Am I just a, a church squire before then? When do I become a church master? Like there's all of these things. You see how weird you are? You're differentiating Alex is like, that's me. Okay, whatever, right? That's, it, you're the one who's making the separation in your mind. And even though I'm joking about it, it shows something about the way you view the world. You've been blinded. Me too. Why do some of you, the only people you chill with outside this building are people who aren't of God? You know why? Because they're okay with you looking like the world. And I get it. I got some buddies too. I'm like, oh man, cool. I can let my, I can let my hair down, right? <laughs> I got a haircut. Get it? I get hair down. Anyway, <clears throat> but that. But when I, if I'm honest in that moment, it's because like I, I've heard people say this. I've heard some of you go, whoa, well, when I'm with them, I know I don't feel as nervous and stressed and feel like I have to put on a mask. Who's the one telling you to put the mask on? Because it ain't the friends. What's the mask? What's the mask? Why is there a difference? Are you transformed or are you acting? So we're going to talk about the traitor. We're going to talk about the tyrant. We're going to talk about the king. All right? Easy. Thesis statement. I got about 48 minutes. I'm just kidding. I got a little bit of time to tell you about this, and I got a lot of scripture, so hopefully I have to explain it, but it's for you to understand. This is a fact. I'm giving it a name to help us understand. You are following one of three people in your life right now. The traitor, the tyrant, or the king. And only one of those wants your good. <clears throat> Romans 7, 14 through 24. This is, uh, for me, weirdly, and for some of you, it depends on where you're at. And that's why, like, I, I feel, that's why I want to preach for like 10 hours. I know I'm not going to do that. I don't even have a towel up here for that. But the reason is because like, I want to touch every base, and there's people in the room that... that you're more of the, I know I'm bad, <laughs> and I'm, I think the enemy lies to you and says, because you sin at all, right, because you're not perfect yet, you're not his, and you need to hear something else. So to me, this has been encouraging, but some of you, this should terrify, right? It should, we need to hear this. Romans 7, 14 through 24, this is the Apostle Paul. He saw Jesus perform miracles. Most of the New Testament is him. By the way, you know what I've noticed during this culture series? i got to wait till people leave because I'm never calling anyone else specifically. By the way, please hear me. I'm not the guy that calls people out specifically, but I told you I'm going to offend you. It's so funny. When I'm talking about love and blessing and miracles, you know a lot fewer people have to go to the bathroom? That's really odd. During this culture war series, I've had more people walk out than I've ever had, right? By the way, there's legit reasons why I'm not staring at you if you have to go to the bathroom. I'm just saying Right, Because some of you, you just got to go to the bathroom. I mean, this dude talks for three hours. So here we go. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh. And the reason I brought up Apostle Paul is this is clearly a man who knows God. And he says this. He admits this. There's no mask. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh, sold into sin's power. For I do not understand what I'm doing. 
because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law, with the law that it's good. All right, stop, because it's a wordy. What he's saying is, I don't get this. I know God's way is good, but I'm over here struggling in this flesh. I know God's way is higher. I'm struggling in this flesh. I don't get myself because I end up doing things I hate. Right? You ever do that? I end up doing things I hate, and afterwards I feel terrible. I don't know why I do this. And he says, now he's putting some hope, and he goes, but if I hate what I'm doing, and I want to do what God's telling me to do, then I know I'm agreeing that God's way is good. Make sense? And there's hope for some of you. For some of you, the fact that you feel conviction, even if you're struggling with a sin, is an encouragement. Because if you didn't, you'd just go right along and nothing would bother you. For, so now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. Now there's two ways. I'm going to tell you where your heart is. If you're in the room going, there's my excuse. I can just tell my parents, my friend, my boss, it's just the sin in me. No, but I think it's right here is our clue that there is a traitor inside of us, right? He's even saying the real me is not the one doing that. You can feel Paul hurt, him wrestling, right, with, with this. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil I do not want to do. It's interesting that he used the word practice and not do. Practice is an habitual thing. Sometimes, right, and by the way, Paul's habitual is a lot different. You're like, okay, cool, Paul, like, Paul slept 100 women and did it every day too. Awesome. No, Paul got to the point where his sensitivity to the Spirit is he didn't even like the fact that he might have a hint of pride in him. The closer you are, there's an old saying, right, I'm going to paraphrase, the closer you are to God, the closer you walk with him, the more aware you are of how bad you really are. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. Oh, David, you didn't believe me about a traitor. What I what it's just saying. But it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. Hmm. For in my inner self, use the analogy, in your throne room, right? I joyfully agree with God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body? Somebody didn't pay attention. I gave him the version. <clears throat> right? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body? Paul was fully aware that there was a traitor in him that wanted him to die, that wanted him to follow the enemy, and he hated it. He hated it. See, that's the clue. Do you hate the traitor? Are you even aware, or do you justify the traitor's actions? It's okay because I'm getting better. It's okay because, it, you know, whatever it is you're making your excuse, there is none of that. And it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. So I'm saying this to let you know that even the Apostle Paul, some of you need to be encouraged that you're going to wrestle with this traitor and the wrestling and the desires and sometimes that little bit of you that wants what God doesn't want doesn't mean you're not his. It means, right, that on this life, we know we're on the road, we're transformed, but it takes a while for the outward to catch up with the inward, right, for the new creation. And so what ends up happening is that's where our obedience comes in. 
We have a part in becoming like Jesus. We have a part in what? Who do we listen to? Will I follow Jesus because I've been set free? But what's crazy is Jesus, even when he sets us free, gives us the freedom to choose evil. Gives you the freedom to go and follow the enemy again, even though you've been unshackled. Some of you get the shackles off, removed out of the prison, and you'd rather go into a big, fancy, comfortable prison that you came from than to live in freedom in the light. Who will rescue from this? And there's the verse after I don't have, the hope, right, which we'll talk about. But he says, thanks be to Jesus Christ, right? Thank you, God, because on my own, I am not good enough. That's the traitor. Can we agree it's a biblical principle? Yeah? Some old pastors going, I don't know. I don't like the terminology. Anyway, B. It's B on mine, right? Now we're going to talk about the tyrant. It's important you hear this. There is a tyrant. 1 Peter 5.8. I want you to listen to this and pretend that it's not fanciful fairy tale. You ready? Listen to what this says. Dude, this guy, you, we are not on the same verses, version here, buddy. I'll just read yours, okay? Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour, which, by the way, is probably my fault. But anyway, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone to devour. Everyone's like, that's nice terminology. Let me, let me explain to you how scared you should be. I make everyone leave except you, and I let a hungry lion in the room, and I lock the door. You're all like, hmm, this is why I know you're not listening. I wish I had a lion, because I would be throwing you all out of here, and some of you all be like, I ain't afraid of anything. I'd love to take a picture of you peeing your pants when the lion's coming to eat you. I love some of the tough dudes in here, I know, because they'd probably be me going, I'll just take that lion and rip his throat out. No, he'd kill you. Lion would kill you, okay? Your adversary, and, the, and that's the funny thing, man, because... Back then, they knew what it is to live in fear of a lion. See, we live in a modern society where we don't have a lot of huge carnivores roaming around. So we're kind of like, well, the zoo, he didn't look too scary, right? That kind lion that's always laying against the glass, dead. You know what I'm talking about, if you, right? That's not the lion we're talking about. This is a roaring, hungry, angry lion that wants to eat only one thing, you. And he's prowling around. He can't, he can't get in the castle unless you let him in. But he's, he's, he's prowling. Can I find a hole? Oh, here's the hole where these two believers are living together and they say it's okay. Oh, maybe this would have been a beautiful marriage. I wonder if I can crawl in there and I can eat it. And I'm not judging you. I already said it. I'm just telling you so the traitor who's going, I can't believe he's saying that. He's worse than me. Can we just get over that? I already said I'm worse than you, right? All right, let's keep going. So there, we know there's a devil. He's real, and he's prowling around, the tyrant. Okay, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and listen to this. This is creepy. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You ready for this? Free love. Love wins. All it does is take a word. The enemy is so good. He's prowling. He's been around for thousands of years. He is powerful. He is going to take what is evil, repackage it, and say it's good. And he's going to take what's good, like truth, and package it as evil. And the longer you're sitting out in the dark, the longer you live in the world, the easier it is to believe those lies. Another reason why you need to spend time with believers 
right? If you're in a room, they've done these social experiments. They put you in. Have you ever seen this, these movies or these shows? I'll make one up, but I'm pretty sure it's similar. So they put you in a room like this, and I walk out, and you guys are all waiting, and then this whole front row stands up. Nobody even has to say anything. Guess what starts happening? People start saying, you ever seen that, social experiments? You wouldn't believe what they've gotten people to do just by saying it's socially acceptable. Now, here's what's interesting. That's happening in the church, capital C, and here. So I bring this up. So we have an enemy. We have a tyrant. And everybody's like, oh, boogeyman. No, sometimes he disguises an angel of light. He's going to tell you things like, I just want what's good for you. They don't love you because they're telling you the truth. They don't want you to be happy. They, they hate you because of your, your, your sinful struggle, right? They hate you. God wants you to take what you want. God wants you to steal. God wants you to lie. Why? Because you wouldn't do that if it wasn't so-and-so's fault. You think he's going to come out and go, hi, I want to kill you. No, he doesn't do that. Because then you would go, that's not, I don't want to do that. Right? Why do you think science is so big in our world today? Right? Everybody's like, well, there'd be proof. You think he's going to show it to some of you scientific-minded people? Because if you had to accept there's a devil, you'd have to go, man, there's probably something else too, right? God. So, all right, moving on. we got an enemy. we got a tyrant. He's prowling around. He wants to devour you. He doesn't want your good. He doesn't want your good, right? And sometimes he'll even look like something good to get you to open the gate. <clears throat> all right, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this age, now that's a, G, a little g. It's always important in our language to, whenever there's a little g, it's not referring to our God, right? That's the translation is something people worship. In this case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This enemy huh, will come as an angel of light to distract you so you can't see the real light. He doesn't want you to believe or see the light. He doesn't want you to believe that his way is good. Because, guys, listen to me. Not just even in a spiritual sense. Yes, he wants you in your eternity, but believers especially. And uh, he, he wants to destroy you. He wants to take every bit of joy and goodness out of your life and replace it with death and destruction. And hopefully at the end of it, you'll become so forlorn, so hopeless, so sad that you just end it. And if you never put your faith in Jesus, he got this life and he got the next. Because you know what's really crazy? The enemy knows who wins, even if he fools people. He knows. So all he's doing is trying to take as many people with him as he can. Ephesians 4.27. So we've got a, this, this devil's prowling around to eat. He can disguise himself as an angel of light. He can blind people to the truth. And guess what? And Got it? Don't give the devil an opportunity. That's a very simple little verse. You're like, Todd, what do you mean? It's, the reason I brought this up is you've got to give the devil an opportunity as a believer. You've got to be willing. This is why I mean the traitor is so important, right? And before this verse, Paul tells us, he's, for one thing, he says, don't be angry. Don't live out of anger, by the way. Some of us <laughs> passionate people need to hear this. You know, anger is a doorway, right? And anger is a doorway, for an opportunity for the devil, right? Because anger ends up emotionally, I just got so angry. Whenever we say that, we're, we're saying why we did something bad. But it's not just anger. There's all these other sins. And what he's saying is, listen, when God is telling you to follow him, he's telling you what to do and not to do, not because he wants to ruin your fun, because he is protecting you. Don't give the devil, believers, 
you people who are already protected, because he's talking to believers in that section, right? In Ephesians, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. He's saying, listen, saints, he, don't give him an opportunity. Don't open the gate. Don't put a hole in the wall. Follow God. Trust him. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity in your marriage. Don't give him an opportunity at work. Don't give him an opportunity when the lights are off. Don't give him an opportunity to destroy you and do evil. He can't get your eternity, but he can mess with your present. Don't give him an opportunity. Man, some of you, I say something offensive so everyone gets it. Ladies, every time you're not submissive to your husband, you're giving him opportunity. Every man, every time you don't love your wife, you're giving the devil an opportunity. What? Don't destroy your marriage, but in the big scheme of things, right? One flesh, it can destroy you. Every time we justify, I already, I love it. Every time I say the word submissive, I get I look at you ladies, get mad at me and go, well, you know, the translation really means this. No, it means what it said. And so does love. Ladies, okay, I always start with you because the world doesn't want to ever make you mad because if you don't go to church, your husbands don't because men are weak in society today. Do you know that's why they don't preach hard against you? That's a fact. Because they know statistically, if I can get the wife here, the only way I'm going to church is if this woman brings me men. Isn't that sad when we are called to be the leaders of the church and we wonder why things are the way they are? <clears throat> don't give that opportunity. All right, why? What do you mean? Ephesians 6, 12, this is important. More, remember, we're proving the tyrant. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. I put this in here for one reason. There is a spiritual realm, and we're going to talk about that later, Lord willing. And demons are real. They've been active in the past. Right? Here's a little clue. Abortion, this whole concept, this justification, the same spirit and demon behind that concept existed back in the Old Testament. They burn babies right? after they sacrifice them. What do you think happens to aborted fetuses after they take all the parts? What do they do with them, you know? They burn them. But he'll disguise himself as an angel of light. It's not the same thing. So there's a traitor who wants to work with the tyrant. The devil's real. And the world wants you to not believe that. And now I want to talk to you about something else. I want to talk to you about the king. Now listen, <clears throat> we have the opportunity to follow the traitor, the tyrant, or the king. Uh, before I do that, I feel like i got to get some, some religious folks in, in the remnant, not guests. <clears throat> you think this isn't about you, okay? I want to give you an example. When you come in, I'll use me because if I use me, you don't get as mad. I've said this. When I have a bad attitude and a bad grumpy face, which believe it or not can happen, <clears throat> you all walk in here and everyone in this room judges my faith, my relationship with God, my holiness by that. And, 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 and that's to a degree kind of silly, but there's, some, there's a responsibility that comes with that. right? I get that. But that don't apply to you? Because you had a fight with your wife this morning, it's okay to come in and spill it out on everybody else? Look at everybody. Look, oh, <laughs> I hear people doing this. I hear you talking to me. It's because you're mad. I don't care. You can't, have a, you, you can't control your body. You don't think loving someone is not looking like you hate the world? You ever seen Christians? I love that. I go into old stuffy churches like, I love everyone. Except him who did this and her who did that. 
But it's okay, right? Because you had a bad day, angel of light. That's just, a, that's just a little one, right? I'm trying to get you to understand the standard. This is why we need God. So the king here, 1 John 2, 28 and 29. Listen to this. So now little children remain in him, capital H. Who do you think that is? Jesus. So that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Whoever one does, I'm sorry, everyone who does what is right has been born of him. If you know he's good, then you know this. You're going to look like him if you follow him. People who do what's right, who seek to do it, are born of him. Who seek to bring their life under his rule. And again, we all struggle. 1 John, and this is actually, uh, the, whole, the whole message was about this section. So those of you that are like, okay, I've zoned out here, I've been angry. Here's your part. Come to this part and then you can zone out again. Right, we're almost done. 1 John 3. See what kind of love. This is starting verse 1. <clears throat> See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Stop. This, this is hard to hear what I'm about to say. Sometimes the biggest clue we know of how, who we're following, right, is how accepting the world is of us. Right? You've been, again, fooled to believe that, well, I've got to, like, you know, show them love, and the best way to do that is to never ruffle feathers. The truth always ruffles feathers. The truth always upsets people, right? If people believe they're in the light, but they're in the dark, do they want to hear they're wrong? Are you, like, who are you? Are you just bland white powder, or are you salt? Do you taste different, look different? Does your life look different? Could I follow you for 24 hours? And maybe not perfection, but you stand out and look different. The world Right? will eventually, those who follow Jesus, at some point or another, you will face persecution. It could be small, just with family and friends, or someday, like in other countries, it could be life or death. <clears throat> Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, there he is coming back, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. You got to... And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who actually believes in him is going to try to make their lives imitate Christ. They're going to seek to do that. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. It's encouraging. No one who abides in him, no one who's truly put their faith in him, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Oof. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, 
It is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. But Todd, I thought there's a third option. Just a good person. No. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. I love that Paul did this. I'm sorry, John. I love, see, I told you just guess. I love that John did this because all the, right, all the religious people were going, yeah, up until the very end when they had to face the reality of what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs, love believes all things, endures all things. Love offers hope and mercy and grace. Love does not delight in evil. Do you delight in watching a Christian fall? Because there are a lot of Christians that do. Christians. I'm going to tell you essentially what this is saying, because some of you are going, oh boy, good. Any true believer is going to go, because remember, you got to find out, are you one just practicing sinning, right? Are you practicing sinning, or are you just a believer who sinned? That's the crucial difference here. So it's important to say this. Let me put this in terms. A true believer will not continue to look the same their whole life. And that's why sometimes you can't tell to the end, right? Sometimes you don't know. They can look like it. I just read a story of a guy who's a mega pastor, 67 years old, and now he's no longer a believer. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he left us. Like, that dude was never saved. It just took a long time to reveal it. But the fact is, if you're in this room and you claim to be a believer, right, but you continue to practice, and this is important, practice sin in the sense, it's okay, practice sin in the sense of you don't think it's bad. You don't think it's wrong. You don't want to have to, like, change it. You're making excuses for it. Then who are you really following? Who are you really following? And that's what he's trying to say here. He's saying, that's why the, the translation practice of. What is your life defined by? If I were to look at it, right, as, is your life more trying to follow God or just following and justifying your own behavior, like following your own desires and justifying it? But I go to church. I don't care. What do you do the other six days? Practice of. Sinning is also not doing what God told you. It's not just doing bad. It's also not doing good. And that's why I like to poke at things that make us all mad. Money, going to church, those are all the little things that you think aren't tied to your discipleship. But they are in a sense, right? You're going to go and do what he told you to do. It doesn't mean we won't struggle, but you have to be honest with yourself. What are you making a practice of? What defines your life? Do you spend most of your life making excuses for your behavior? If that's the case, then you need to ask, do I know him? Because you might know of him. Everybody was there when he's handing out bread. How many were there when he was dying on the cross? How many are there when there's a cost? And the sad thing is the cost, right? The cost is what shows the value of our faith. The cost shows the truth of our faith. And I'm saying this message not to shame people who sin, but to warn you. Because remember what I said, there's only four types of people. 
And the last two are very hard to tell the difference between. Do you justify your behavior? Do you spend, like, be honest. Just take a second right now. Are you mad all the time you're in church? Are you mad at me right now when I haven't even personally said a single thing to you? I've just read the Bible. And the only reason I'm telling you that is this. I don't even believe that's you. Remember, you either got a traitor or the enemy. And he doesn't want you to know the truth, right? Because he's going to blind you from the light. The traitor wants you to not believe the king. And, it, and it's crazy, man. I, I don't tell you. So let's, let's use the example I've used of people living with their same other. I don't have sex with them. You know, we just live together. Y'all a liar. Okay? You're lying. And the fact that you have to even try to differentiate that shows that you feel guilty. So let's use that as an example. I'm not judging you, man. I've done a lot of stupid stuff, even after being a believer. I, I'm not, you know, and Jesus even said anyway, the standard is if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So I'm not judging you, but that also doesn't excuse you. The reason I bring it up is because I, remember, there's a difference. There's, it's so hard to tell the difference between those, those two. And what I see here is he says, listen, who makes a practice of sinning practices lawlessness, sin is lawlessness. Let no one deceive you. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And I want you to hear this, right, about the king. We'll come back, and we're almost done. In that while, John chapter 8, the gospel of John, starting at verse 30. This is Jesus. These are crazy words because it's, it says everything I've been saying. As he was, the Pharisees, the religious folk were coming up and trying to challenge him, saying they're good, you know, blah, 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 he's evil. And so he says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, if you continue in it. Verse 34, because they're like, no, we're good because of Abraham. And he says, Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Dude, you got to go, all right? A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. A slave does not remain in the household forever but a son does remain forever. Jesus said to them, if God, jump down to 42, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are the father. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and he has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me? Who among you can convict me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. There are four types of people. Believers, they're not perfect, who follow Jesus Christ and want to bring the parts of their life that are not under his command, under the king's command. There are the lost and the wicked and the justifiers and the people who say, I determine what's right and wrong. Accept me on my terms. The lost, the wicked, who think, right? Those who think they're saved by their religion, whether it's another religion or their good works 
or their proximity to the light, how close they are to other believers. And then disciples who put their faith in Jesus but have decided to, to live under the tyrant. I'm going to ask you a question in this room, every one of you, and I'm being honest, right? This is, this is genuine. Based on the four types of people, which one are you? Not by, right? And that voice that's talking to you right now, right? If you're a believer especially. And even if you're not, the one that's saying, no, no, you're not his. Which one of the four are you? Because God wants one. He wants you to believe and your life to reflect it and to be his disciple. Don't take, based on the evidence of your life, which already don't take the chance, don't let the traitor or the tyrant fool you. And listen, as we go through this culture wars, why this was important is because you're going to have moments where you fight back against the truth of God's word, where you come up with excuses, where you go home and Google, Christian, why it's okay to do this. Oh, don't act like I didn't catch you. Why, you know, biblical evidence for this. instead of what does the Bible say about this? What's your heart? Don't think you can live in the world and claim to believe and follow the king because you can't, because he'll define that. She's going to come play some music. Mandy, come up. But I need you guys to get some music ready because I want everyone in the room to have a chance to respond. So, Zach, if you're panicking, talk to Grant. It's been tough. I've been tough on him today. Thank you. I want to ask you guys a question again, right? You're following one of three people, the traitor, the tyrant, or the king. So I'm going to ask you, based on your life, right now, right not all the time, right now, in this moment today, who are you following? Who's ruling your life? Is it the traitor? Hmm? Is it the tyrant, the devil, or is it the king? That's it. That's the only options. And the traitor works with the tyrant, so really there's two. Right? That part of you that you've got to say, Lord, I've been sliding into living the way right, I want and not the way you want because they don't always match. And that's how you know who's king, you or God. Who are you? Whose are you? He's coming back. And you could even know the gospel, know it, but never have put your faith in it. It's hard stuff, man. It's hard stuff to follow Jesus. And the beauty is, listen, friends, I'm not here to condemn you. There's a lot of people following, and, and that's why you got to trust the Spirit, right? And, and God's not condemning you in something. Like, we make mistakes, and I've talked a lot about grace here because it, we need it. Lord knows I do. And I'll stand up with you till the end of time and say, the cross defines you, not your sin. But... But if you use your grace as a get-out-of-sin-free card, as justification to live like you want, you got to ask, do I really believe? You see what I'm saying? There's a difference. Who are you and whose are you? Who runs your castle? Who runs your life? Who runs your temple? Is it the traitor? Is it the tyrant? Or is it the king? Do you know the king? Does the king know you? What areas of your life have you not given over complete control of to the king? And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I told you the gospel. He made everything perfect, and he made us to live in it. And I don't care what you've been told. 
right? Every single human being in this earth, like a disease, we have been born, right, separated from God because we have chosen to put our faith in ourselves and other things. And the moment we did that, God said, okay, I'll let you have it. Because there was only one rule at the beginning. I'm, he's God, right? I'm God, you're not. I tell you what right and wrong is. And we rejected that. And like a tree branch snapped off a tree, we're dead and dying. Thousands of years of human existence, right? Without God in our life, without the creator who told us how to be, it's a mess. It's been a mess then. Look on TV today. Are you scared? Do you feel it? Do you feel what's happening? I'm being honest. Do you see it? Do things feel different? Even those of you that are 80, 90, you've told me before. I've heard you. It's never been this way. Why? I know every pastor and preacher said this till time, and I'm not going to tell you it's going to happen tomorrow. It might be in 100 years, but it's coming. He's coming back. And in that moment when he comes back, it's too late. The decision has to be now. Now, we're separated, and here's the beauty. I read it earlier. It's not the beauty. The bad part is the wages of sin is death. Because we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we will have what we want, which is separation from God. You don't want to be with him now? He won't make you then, but that's hell. Hell is real. And that's where we're all going. Even your really great, good grandma Edna. It's not good enough. So God loves you so much that he said, when you can't come to me, I will make a way, right? I will come to you and I will be a bridge back to me. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He existed. God made flesh. He told us how to live. He told us the laws of the land. By the way, the laws of the land are good. They lead to our good. Then, right, he reminded us of the truth, and then he did something incredible. He transformed you and enabled you to have the power to follow it. He freed you from the tyrant. He set your chains free, right? He offers you that. He takes your place. Because the wages of sin or death, something has to die. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He lived. He performed miracles. History attests to this. He died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, he raised from the dead to prove that he is God and King. He made a way for you to come home. But listen, friends, I don't care how mad you are. I don't care how addicted you are. I don't care how upset you are. I don't care how much church hurt you have because I got it too. It's time, right? Everyone in this room, it's time to come home. Whether you are saved and been fallen the traitor, right? Right? Whether you've You've been serving under the devil, the tyrant. Remember, there's only two ways. One of those two things, or whether today you just need to be reminded whose you are, right? That you're not defined by the simple mistakes, but by the overall practice of your life. The Bible says this clearly. Listen to me. I was not raised in a church. I'm not a goody two-shoes. I'm not good enough. And I'm telling you this because it's the truth. Someone told me. They told me how much in danger I was. The Bible says this, and I don't care what those people told you, the hurt that you feel. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. All the other junk, the habits, the addictions, he'll handle that. You handle following to the best of your ability, and he'll make you stronger, different. He'll change you and save you. You know who you are. There's going to be people up here that are willing to pray with you. I know it's late. I know it's time. You all got to go to Taco Bell, whatever. But eternity is a long time. Five or ten minutes is probably worth it. And if you're in the room and you've been following the tyrant, he loves you. He's still waiting for you to say, hey, he's not mad at you. Because sometimes the enemy, 
right? He'll lie to you, won't he? He'll say he doesn't want you anymore because you've been out playing in, with the tyrant. You've been out, he says, don't come back. But that's, what, what do we know in the prodigal son? He won't, he's not only welcoming you back, he'll run to you to bring you home. His grace never ends. His mercy never ends. You can't out his grace. There's a part in Romans 6 that says that where, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Once he saved you, you can never lose it because you never earned it. Jesus said, I'll never let go of one of these that you've given me. Take this time. Listen to that voice, that small, still voice. Don't leave the same you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.